Dear Lord, we're very grateful. We'd ask that you would bless our time in your word. Draw us back to it. To think on it during the week. In your son's name, amen. Okay, you say to yourself, this is not right, this is not fair. Two psalms. If you pick a short psalm, Pastor, you should just accept that the sermon's going to be short. But when the sermon is short, it won't be long, says I to myself. I'll just add another psalm. And it just, well, you know, there's conflict occurs in the congregation. And, and too bad for you. But they're short psalms, both of them. And the section of the psalms this is in, as you know, that Psalm 119 that you ever skipped reading, you know, um, because it's 304 pages long. It's, well, it's not that long. Psalm 119 is, it's 176 verses. That's just not right. That's, that's not showing some restraint on the part of, of the psalmist. But right after Psalm 119, Psalm 120, which we are not in, was another short psalm, and it was sort of like relief. Oh my gosh, a bunch of short psalms. They're called Songs of Ascents. And generally, and there's a, there's a group of them that run for a, a bit, um, and they're generally considered that Songs of Ascents were uh, not ascent like I agree with, but ascents like climb up. Uh, the going up to the tabernacle in David's day, going up to the temple in Solomon's day, the, the religious processional, songs you'd sing ascending. Um, now, Psalm 121, I have this vague memory didn't Doug write a chorus on this psalm? Is it on the album? <laughs> How would you know? Yo, yeah. Would you like to give it back? <laughs> um, back when, back when uh, Doug and I were in Mountain Angel Band together, um, uh, we put out an album with eight tracks, and... Uh, this psalm Doug had written into a chorus. Very, very catchy, very, uh, uh, I liked it quite a bit. And so when I was reading through the psalms this morning, um, I got to Psalm 121, and of course the, the, the lyric reminds you almost of the tune if you heard it at all. And, um, and so I, I said I'm gonna, I wanted to meditate on it a while just because of that connection. It doesn't address something, you might say, really precisely and intensely, where the topic is right on the surface, lying about the ground. You know, it says, you know, like a confessional psalm, like 51 or something like that. I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence does my help come? Rather than it comes off uh, thinking in the, the, the chorus, um, it sounds like one sentence. It's two sentences. I lift up my eyes to the hills, period. From whence does my help come? Question mark. 
Now, there's a, there's a poetry, obviously, it's a poem, uh, a poetry to that observation. You don't quite know what the psalmist means when he says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. He's looking, looking to the word could be mountains or surrounding hills. You know, it's just a, I don't know if it's sort of a, a romantic posture of staring at the horizon. You know how you get if you have a horizon, you stare at it. Um, it's a great time to meditate. Now, that could be just of modernists, uh, you know, filling in the blanks with something we understand. But he also could be looking, because all the high places were high places. You know, he he's might be looking at the heights, because in the heights are all the gods. And he wants to know, from whence does my help come? Or he might just be looking at... Um, the horizon, not as a, a romantic sense of view, but waiting for help. Now, the problem is, we don't, we like sitting and thinking. We like sitting in a place with a great view. talking about that earlier this week about the drive between Genesee and Julieta. You got to go out over the top of the ridge of whatever you feel like you've reached the point of the end of Western civilization is just outside of Genesee. And the road drops down to gr almost grass, gravel and grass, and you drive then you get end up in Julieta. But the view is spectacular. We like those things, but we sometimes don't find ourselves waiting for help like you would, oh, say it was 1850, and you were on the Palouse, and Chief Joseph, is later. he was later than 1850. When was Chief Joseph? In the 70s and 80s. Um, Indians, we had problems with around Cheer. Uh, all the president streets skip one named Howard for the general that chased down Chief Joseph and then on with the presidents again. So you're 18 earlier than Chief Joseph because Chief Joseph was kind of cool. Other Indians less cool. And you're wondering if the cavalry is going to show up. You got a little house little corral, little children running around in the yard. You feel those threats, you look, for, you look at the, you're hoping that the, uh, the local fort would send a little troop by every so often. You're waiting for help. We, we don't have that socio, we're in a civilized situation where all of our helps are established. All of our helps are in a phone book. All of our helps are well, easily reached. I, I had a phone. People ask a question nowadays. Five phones come out. What's the answer? Who are you going to call? The problem is we think we have the answers already. We think we have the help already. 
We don't get to verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, I don't fault Western civilization. It's capitalism. Uh, you know, heard of the adage, the, um, was it not need is the mother of necessity, the mother of invention. It's probably not true. It's probably backwards that invention is the mother of necessity. But uh, you also know that as soon as the COVID started making everybody wear masks, 500 companies came out with custom masks that you could order for your business, and you're going to pay a little premium for it. But boy, we found the you got to do this. Well, let's sell you something. Our system knows how to generate as soon as a need is felt. As soon as you feel, I need that, that's when the ad appears on TV. We don't have that, even that sensation when the power goes out in the thunderstorm, this lack of knowledge. Is it going to be days? Are we all going to die? Do we have to start eating each other? How soon does cannibalism set in? You're considering those things back in the day, back in the 50s, and the 60s. Families were smaller <laughs> because of that. Nowadays, you just you know, phone, go to a Vista, find out where the outage is. They have an estimated time for the power to come back on. And then it's usually on earlier than that. They love letting you know as you raise your eyes to the hills and ask yourself, from whence does my help come? A vista and in the app. Anything, even needs you don't have. Now, I order things online. Well, I order thing online, uh, cigars. And it's amazing. People I order cigars from are in North Carolina because we have connections. Here in a matter of a couple of days, for some reason, I still like having tracking. Why? Because we're trained to jump through, and there's nothing, no fault with tracking, and no fault with 911 to call the help of the police when you're being robbed. But we really don't have a primitive early civilization city-state mentality where if you were rural and the lights went out at night, the lights were out. That's it. No light. No, no city glow anywhere because everything was oil lamps and the sun. They thought differently and they more clearly saw the horizon, the hills, the mountains, whatever you think that he was looking at when he raised his eyes to the hills and asked the question, where does my help come from? He could confidently say, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, <clears throat> this is where I want you to see that why I did Psalm 121, skipped a couple Psalms, Psalm 124. The last verse, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Is it sort of bracketed, you know, a few short songs of ascent. These two held together because of that. One introduces you to the idea of looking to God for your help. 
And the other concludes that way. This one, this first one is very positive, very, we got it all when we got the Lord. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So it's a 24-7 job for God being help. It's a small thing. You know what it's like to have your foot move. Try being 66 and dipping into a bathtub. Nothing quite so stunning as that slight skid of an inch. Suddenly you feel all aspects of your back, which will bother you now for six months because you tensed up to not fall. You don't want that. You know what it's like to be walking down the stairs in the dark and to think there were 14 steps and there were 13. God is, from, from those, the, the psalmist is throwing those sorts of elements out. He won't let your foot be moved. He doesn't sleep or slumber. He keeps you. Now, I suspect, you know, I take my phone out of my pocket sometimes and put it all the way across the room to recharge. Um, in my bedroom, but you've got to stop and say, should I feel free to speak with my wife about things? With that phone sitting over there, listening to me? Because it's so eager to be my help. It's so eager. It's not by the Alexa or the whatever else there is out there, the godless pieces of demonic possession of a home. I think you have one, don't you? Yeah, you call yourself a Christian. Um, one of them, as they ask, who is Jesus Christ? Stephen Crowder did. It says, a fictional character. It, remarkable. Um, but you sort of got this feeling that other helpers are there and wanting to be helpers because they know there's some money in helping you. They'd like to, the various dentists would like to convince you they're the ones to help you. Various car mechanics, they're the ones to help you. I told the mechanics here that I wasn't going to deal anything mechanical, but that was a slight reference. I'm sure it's fine. I didn't make any claims about It makes us an offer. It comes sliding over our horizon. It's there in the morning. I was just talking about that last night. How did it know? It's trying to be your God. Not in a Baal-worshipping, you know, Apollo, you know, real idolatry. But God's our helps. Is your help from the Lord who made heaven and earth? Or is your help from your iPhone, which hears everything you say and is trying to pull together an algorithm that will send you an Amazon order, probably pre-made out with, you know, prime shipping, And it doesn't matter that this is the modern era. Eras that didn't have iPhones had other kinds of help. People tried to provide it. That's how fire departments were invented. It used to be private and used to be competitive, where they would try to outrace each other to the fires to see who would get the job. We know that help is natural, 
but we find where we find it, it's sort of it's a thing we all treasure, right? No one likes to be left without a spare tire. Because that would be helpful when you got a flat. When you found out you didn't have one, or you hadn't filled it up ever, or I think more rude than having is one of those little donuts that aren't really tires, they're just sort of bread dough they put on your rim and drive for two miles. <coughs> I'm not faulting the society, but I want you to know that there's this task of, you, I want you to ask yourself, have I been looking or have I been satisfied with everything this nation gives me? I was thanking God the other night, well, quite a while ago, but for my mattress, because I know my mattress is better than King Solomon's. And I live on the edge of civilization. I have a roof over my head. And it's amazing what this society has provided. Just lay it at your feet as if you were a king or a queen. No denying that it's there, no desiring that it's a good, but it can, like so many other real goods, you can inordinately look to it for help, trusting in the chariots of Egypt. The Lord, verse 5, is your keeper. Now that word keeper, I thought I'd better look it up. It's not like it's like a sheepdog or something, uh, or prison, prison warden. You're slightly, you know, short bus sort of person, and you need a keeper. That may be true. But it also means guard, watchman. It's essentially bodyguard. The Lord is your keeper. Look at the next line. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. Wonderful poetry, but it's setting up the cosmos as a threat to you or powers that are a threat in the heavens. You understand the sun, because he said shade. You don't quite get the moon part. Why, what do you mean the moon? I get moonstruck. Yeah, back in those days you did, and you probably still do today, and you don't know it because you think you got a syndrome, but you're really a lunatic, which means moonstruck. The moon by night won't touch you. The sun won't smite you because your God, your help, is at a great height, immediate to you, at your right hand to shade you. Now, I want to, two ways you can go is try to dissect what that means and taste it. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. Ever read lines? I remember listening to a friend of mine recite the first section of the Iliad in Greek to people who didn't know Greek. And it was remarkable. Just because it sounded so good. It sounded like cotton candy. Sometimes poetry touches us that way. And I want you to think about that, not because I'm trying to get you to just love the Bible as literature, 
but because one of the things that we miss on this appointment with the text is we're actually engaged in reading a text. The psalmist, whoever it is, doesn't say this one's of David, but this psalmist describes wonderfully in a way that you could easily throw a tune at it and it becomes a great thing to sing. I couldn't sing it very well. I'd have to have help. And it might be helpful, given that we've got a world that is trying to give us help and trying to keep us alive forever. We must never die. We must never get sick. We must never do this. We must never be out of reach of 911. 911 went down in a number of states last week or something like that. The fear that washed over a society that a generation ago didn't have 911. But we're so used to it. We're so used to that help, that world being a help to us. What you need to do is you need to describe, you need to have a song of ascent that says it this well, that speaks of your God. Try singing about the other helps you have. If your life is fully compassed round by helps, the algorithm's looking out for you, and they are paid big bucks to do it because you are a monetizable commodity, and your click, if you just clicked on it, if your mouse ran over that site, it, oh my gosh, millions, billions of dollars. Why don't you write a psalm to that help. Praise be to iPhone. It already sounds ludicrous, but if it's that kind and that level of help, it shouldn't be a problem. But you might find that if you were to describe the degree of help you believe in, in the system, we're not denying it's a help. We're not denying it's a good thing to have that help. But you need to remember he who made heaven and earth, who is always, even if an EMP burst came along and wiped out everything that was techie, God would still be God. Down to your foot moving, he will, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Now, on one level, I think, it's, I think it is good for you to express yourself. The, the, the nature of a song, we were in a debate uh, yesterday, was it yesterday, Roy? About singing, because we, we the drones can fight about anything, um, about whether you can sing without singing. I was of the opinion that no, you couldn't. It presupposed a tonal shift. Um, 
but so much of our life we don't ever really speak to. And we're dealing with things for which words, music, poetic wonder are the only languages, and we don't speak it. People don't even read poetry anymore. People don't understand Hebrew poetry. I know you're not Hebrews. I wouldn't expect you to. They do their best translating it into English, but it can never really be English poetry at a high quality. But we're not about that. But so much of what we have, if you were to say, yeah, all of my lifelong hopes really are in Jesus Christ. Say it sometime. I was talking to someone last night, I forget who, in the library, and uh, about someone who used to live with us who used to be in all sorts of conversations about literature and things. person wandered away from the Lord, and I was thinking about it and going, yeah, that makes sense. I never heard this person ever speak with any kind of hagiography, panegyric, wonder, marvel at God. God might come up as an argument for a definition or a theology. Oh, they could talk about Dante. They could talk about Homer. They could talk about Charles Dickens. They could talk about all sorts of things. and and maybe come to blows because they were so righteously vocal about everything but their God. Have you tried it? You might not be a poet. Let's, please do not share it with the rest of us. But write it. You've done it. Some of you guys have written some charming little bit of doggerel to give to your wife on Valentine's Day. You're not a good poet, but do you think she appreciates it? I would think, I would hope. You don't have to share it with other people, please. People who write poetry and aren't good at it often think they should publish. They shouldn't. I'm one of the best poets known to man, and I haven't published it, so just say it. Write something, say something, sing the song that is, that shells you that you've looked at the hopes being answered in this world. The fact that Les Schwab can be called up at any time and they'll come fix your tire, even if you didn't buy the tire from them. It's an amazing country. I heard they got sold to a company in California, something like that. How the mighty have departed. We know that one of the things I, the thing I want you to walk away from in this is we have some things that are only revealed having been said. Only revealed having been said. Now we could be false in what we say. Many a fair young maiden has been told by a scamming bit of work that, that she is loved, a bit of poetry written to her. 
We know that people come into church all the time and chant back the Apostles' Creed or the Lord's Prayer or whatever bit of truth that we all hold together. But the fact that there are people who say false things, we know that people honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. But if it's true in you, you ought not, and I would say you can't, be silent. The question should be between you and the false protester. You can't say that when some guy is, uh, has noticed your wife and has started writing poetry to her. And you say to yourself, well, too bad for him that I have been writing poetry to her already. Too bad. It's not that you can claim, well, bad people lie in what they claim. Good people don't claim anything. No, good people don't lie in what they claim. We're both claimants. Someone who's writing your wife false poetry and you writing her true poetry because the right people, the true people, will say something about what is important. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Was it Jeremiah who said, I, I, I tried to keep it in, but I couldn't. It was like a burning fire. Your help is from the Lord. That it's going to be expressed in such a charming, direct, poetic way. Our religion is, is about this. We, we turned at some point and found that we could not help ourselves. There was a hymn we sang this morning that had that line in it. Um, was it, I come to the garden? Um, well, no, it was, uh, it is well with my soul. Um, I can't remember the line, but I think the word help occurs in it someplace. When you realize that your help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth because you can't get enough help, you're all going to die. No matter what the help is, you're going to die. No matter what the help. Now this help is from this time forth and forevermore. And your iPhone, your plan doesn't last forevermore. I don't think they can even get coverage in hell or heaven. This is something that we have to realize, and having realized how great the help of our God is, you have a little list here on the side, foot slipping, unconscious, guard against high enemies, from calamity, going and coming, now and then. Have you ever described... You guys, you know, if you're writing the poetry to your fair maiden, you go, I'm not really good at this, but I, I really got to stop and think about how much she means. I got to do my best so she doesn't feel like I just tossed it off in some sort of half-hearted show up for church and chant the Apostles' Creed sort of way. You can say, great thing. Oh, how I love you, fair maiden. What do I rhyme with maiden? No, you want to do a good job. You want to think about it. You want to start jotting down that which is her, what she is to you. 
or if you know women don't ever write anything about their husbands. But if you did, you'd be in the same ballpark. What do you say? When my father tells people to write to their fathers, if they did not have good relationships with their fathers, to sit down and write an honorific letter to their father, you have to stop and go, you know, I, I wasn't even looking to the hills, nothing. I wasn't even looking up. I wasn't even looking around to see what I should be praising. And all that I could say about my phone or all that I could say about my wife or all that I could say about my parents, all I could say, I never thought of saying it. And you're not going to have the, you might say, the victory from God and the Lord if God doesn't hear you saying praise of him. Just like how much it affects your father when he hears that his child thinks the world of him. It took time to sit down and write it out, how much they respect you. We're not those kind of people. We kind of keep it all to ourselves. We don't, we don't grace anybody with honor. And when our God doesn't get graced with honor, the reason I put Psalm 124 here is not so I could preach twice as long. It says something, not just at the end, that ties it in with 121. Look at the first two verses. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, then he says, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. That's why. The psalmist, David in this case, says, I'm going to tell you about what God has done, and I want you to join me. It's called congregational singing. It's called responsive reading. It's called, you know, saying the great thing that we all love, that we all have been saved by. Beware this is one situation when we can all be in love with the same person. It's like a fan club, you know, when you, I don't know who you're fans of. I've always been a fan of Billy Gibbons, ZZ Top. Always been a fan of Eric Clapton. He's used my go-to illustration fan club thing. But you might be in a fan club where everybody in the room is an equivalent fan studying every move and album by that person. That's what we are. We're a fan club of Jesus Christ. And we can all stand up and sing, praise the Savior, ye who know him, who can tell how much we owe him, gladly let us render to him all we are and have. Let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, when the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. That's a different tone than Psalm 121. You know, Psalm 121, you're running around the backyard with your parents' oversight, clapping your pudgy hands together, having a good time knowing that Jesus is protecting you from all things, morning, noon, and night, awake, asleep, doesn't matter. Here, real politic. Things would have gone pretty sideways if it wasn't for our God. 
Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Now, remember, your parents helped you, your spouse helped you, your nation helped you, Apple as a corporation helped you if you're Roman Catholic, because it's a Roman Catholic device, whereas Android is a Protestant device. I don't make the rules, I just apply them. We remember here the last line, our help is in the name of the Lord. Up there in 121, my help comes from the Lord. David writes it, my, my help is in the name of the Lord. Sometimes when you write the little bit of amor to the spousal unit, Don't worry, nothing rhymes with spousal unit, so it doesn't end up in a poem anywhere. You can hand it to her. The only way she knows it's from you, really, is you handed it to her, because usually you don't say, oh, yo, Leslie, oh, Leslie, you know. There's not much rhymes with Leslie either. So it's a generic poem, but she knows it's from you, because it's signed by you, and it's printed out by your computer, versus the word hallmark on the back of it, you know, that's just tripe that you bought at the dollar store, two for a dollar, that came close to maybe expressing maybe some of your feelings, but that was written by some broken soul in some sweatshop in Indonesia in bad English. Who are we talking about? He made heaven and earth. Don't think you can have some sort of liberal, wobbly view of the creator God. I haven't asked you personally. I just assume there's some liberal, wobbly views about the creator. It's who he is. He made heaven and earth. I don't care how you explain it, but you need to explain it. You need to say what you believe about him. He is the creator, and he has charge of forevermore. That's why you have to deal with him. You're in his world, breathing his air and his rules. That's why you have ethics. Because God made the world and he made it the way it works right. And it's, it's kind and loving and you are not doing that. So you're going to get judged for it. That's why there are ethics. It's a simple story. It's not just for view. The name of the Lord, who he is. Is he the maker of heaven and earth? Does he hold forevermore? Is he the everlasting? And if so, let us say so. My father always recommended, I'm sure Leslie, what's your name again? Heather. Heard it uh, at other times. My father would recommend, he says, you know, don't say Jesus. Don't say Jesus. That's true, you know, it's Jesus, son of Mary and Joseph, son of God, Jesus. My father would always ever hear him talking to somebody. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And for me, I'm always, whenever I open in prayer here at church, dear Lord God, what comes next? Maker of heaven and earth. I want to remind me, I want to remind the saints who it is. Yahweh. Find those passages that someone said it really well. You see those benedictions in the New Testament. In the name of our Lord, let us say so. I would recommend you try it in all the places where you need to show honor. Until you say it, you didn't. Okay? Now, you might not even if you say it. But you didn't show it unless you said it. Because if we, what's the phrase in Romans 10? It's the Bible. The word is near you on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For a man believes with his heart and so is justified, and he confesses with his lips and so is saved. The scripture says no one who believes in him will be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and bestows his riches upon all who call upon him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We jump over that little obligation of saying something. Well, I believe. Did you call on the name of the Lord? Did you address him and say what you believed? Did you confess aloud to yourself in your closet, praying before the Almighty that you were guilty and he was forgiving and who you thought he was? He kind of would like to know. And that's what's wonderful about these passages where the religion of the day, the, the people who were after God, David was after God, he uh, wanted to say something. He wanted to praise his God. If he had to do anything with some free time to say, I've got I to learn to praise my God without it just being, you know, one hand in the air and saying praise Jesus repeatedly. Strive for good art. You can't all be really good at it. But your God knows. He knows the limits of your art. But does any of your art, any of it, given to the things you're supposed to honor, do you ever express yourself? Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful. You've been very patient with us. We have been receiving so much from you with commending you not much, without thanking you as much as we should, without lifting up your name both to each other and to the ungodly. Thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.